Hello again, and welcome back to another episode on Start the Talks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Start the Talks. Um, today, I have a guest that we are all familiar with, Miss Lily. Hi. Yep, Lily here. Welcome back, Lily. And today we're going to be talking about a day in the life of an educator and what we do as educators to prepare to teach, um, and then even a little bit about what our day looks like outside of the classroom. So um, we'll start with our kind of teacher prep, um, getting ready for our teaching sessions. Um, Lily, what's kind of the first first thing that you do prepping for classes? Yeah, um, I feel like a lot of people think that the day in the life is... I don't know, would just be the teaching part, but the prep work is a huge part of it. Um, One of the first things we have to do is wait for the teachers at the schools to get back to us with when we can go into their classrooms, uh, what that schedule is going to look like. And that's mainly set up by Kim, who I think our listeners have met before. Yes, yes. In our mission and structure episode, you all met Kim. And I'm pretty sure she kind of touched on a little bit of um, organizing that schedule and kind of taking in the information from the teachers about their students and um, their schedules and when we can come in and implement our program. And then after she's done kind of spearheading all of that and organizing it, then she gives us our schedules. Yeah, we quite literally would not be able to go into the schools without Kim. I mean, she does so much of the prep work getting us ready. Um, And of course, that's partially influenced by the school year as well. So right at teachers, we're not going to be able to prep for their classroom if they're not going to be there. Um, You know, maybe there's a school assembly. Maybe there's school testing. Oh, my gosh. The school testing (laughs) trips us up every year. There's always like something that we didn't expect or they had to make up days because of snow days and things like that 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 even like messes with their normal school schedule i remember last session they were doing testing and they were like yeah our bell schedule is kind of off so like when you hear the bell ring that's really not dismissing your class it's dismissing a different (laughs) one so yeah like testing really does make it it makes it hectic for us and the teachers and then let alone us trying to come in and implement our program so right a lot to work around Right, especially because we're prepared to teach the programs for a certain length of time and a certain Mm -hmm. length of days. And if they're like, you actually have 10 minutes less in every classroom for the first three days of your program. Wow. We have to switch up um, a lot more than you might think. So we have to keep that in mind. Um, And then there's also what can change are the students in our classroom. Uh So one of the things we have to do to prepare is uh, get a roster ready. Um, especially because we collect uh, data from implementing these programs. And that data is currently being researched by um, OUHSC, OU Health Science Center. Um, And so in order to collect that data, we have to get rosters ready and assign students um, anonymous numbers and have them do testing on day one, but then match those tests to the same students on day 10. Um, And so just preparing for that. And you never know when a student is going to leave for a couple days, um, you know, (laughs) right, and then come back either, you know, maybe there was and maybe it was a disciplinary thing, maybe their family just goes on vacation, or maybe they just miss a couple days of school for being sick. sick. Yep. Um, Um, And to speak to those tests that Lily mentioned, so on the first day of our session, we kind of just want to see where our students are at before we start implementing. Um, So it's like a 15 question? If if that, yeah, 10, 10, 15 questions. Questions, just kind of um, true or false, um, where do you stand on this question? So it might say something like, 
What's the do example? you know what HIV is? Right. And yeah, <laughs> and it's something, you know, something simple like that just to kind of see where they're at. Um, and then we kind of take that information. It's like, oh, our students are very knowledgeable about the topics we'll be discussing. D- <laughs> discussing? Discussing. <laughs> Um, because or, it's not disgusting to no, talk about sexual health, Aisha. It is not, and I no judgment, that. no shame, no blame, no guilt. Yes, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and, um, so it, it's either like they're very knowledgeable or um, they are not. And so we really want to make sure that we go through and explain everything. Um, and then with tracking the students, again, it's all anonymous. So we're really tracking numbers tied to the students um, to kind of see like how they've grown throughout the session. Um, we, we assess where they started and then we assess how many days that they have attended the class and then at the end we will have them take the same exact test or survey um, to kind of track their growth in that way. So that's that's what Lily was speaking to with the data collecting and the tests before and after the session. Right and the prep work for that is so important because we want to focus while we're there for those 10 days on really teaching those students and being there and engaging with them and just giving them our full focus. So having those day one and day 10 materials ready ahead of time um, just kind of makes it where we can focus on the students, but where we're still able to track data that can sometimes be, I mean, it it, it provides the best proof that our programs are working because we'll see, you know, 70% of the students or the class average, right, was like 70% day Mm -hmm. one. And then day 10 it's 95 or more like and they're just actually learning so much so that's the most rewarding part I think is to see how much like they they want to show off that they that they learned and like I actually like oh we actually did this together (laughs) we did it we did it (laughs) yeah and then the last thing that we do to kind of prepare is um we prepare a teacher box so we bring in any of the materials that we might need in class. I mean, obviously, we're not going to bring in a whole whiteboard, right? That'd be crazy. Um, But we do have portable whiteboards that we bring in from time to time. Yeah, if the classroom (laughs) doesn't have them, because we never know what our classrooms are going to have and what they're not going to have. So unfortunately, um, a lot of the students in the schools that we uh, teach in, uh, the students don't always have an abundance of materials like pencils and paper and things like that that they need for class. So we just like to come in prepared to help any of those students who need extra materials so yes basically we bring in everything that we might need um, and we also have special items that we might need depending on what we're teaching so um, like the workbooks right workbooks that come with our uh, evidence-based programs so they're already assigned with all of the activities that we have in them that way we don't have to pass out you know worksheet after worksheet every single day Um, and it those are honestly really helpful because it guides them through a lot of the programs. Get, like right. we have a, um, one of my favorite activities is like a case study where we read a little story about these two people named Sean and Morgan. I love Sean and Morgan. Um, and they are obviously not real people, but you know, it's, they could be real people in this situation. Right. And um, yeah, you just kind of read about what their relationship looks like and who's adding pressure and whether or not they're feeling pressure from their friends outside of the relationship. Sean and Morgan is, is one of my favorite activities because this is a tangent, but I have to. <laughs> like the, Students are always like when I when we read it together, their faces are like, hmm, what, what, and they're like already thinking ahead. And I usually have to be like, just wait, right? Just like, just wait. We have to slow wait. them down, right? <laughs> just wait, because we talk about power dynamics, and um, we also do cover the age of consent in the state of Oklahoma. Um, so, just to kind of start off the case study, um, it says, you know, Sean and Morgan are three years apart. 
and or Morgan is three years older than Sean. So then I usually like to say, so let's say Sean's 14 and Morgan is 17. And then right then the students are like, whoa, hold on. Wait a second. Yeah, I get a couple hex. Red no. Flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, red flag, red flag. And I'm like, very good. I, I, I love that you're picking up on this, but let's keep reading. And then the discussion after Sean and Morgan is it's very rewarding to, for them to like put those pieces together and be able to point out the signs as to why this relationship isn't equal. Right. And yeah, I, I absolutely love the Sean and Morgan case study. Yeah. I always I, like, we point out the age difference cause it has that in the, in their workbook, right. but I usually have them not focus on that for a minute and just focus on how they're treating each other in right. the relationship and whether or not that's equal. And then I'll tell them at the end, okay, now let's say that that three-year age difference is 14 and 17. How does that change some of the things that we talked about? Like, how does right. that now make them less okay or legal or not, you right. know? And, and, and they like usually, They usually bring up, like, if one person's 17 and one's 14, one can get a job, one probably has a license or they're at the legal age where they can get a license and the other can't do those things so how does that literal like social standing create an imbalance in their relationship in it in itself and anyway yeah that was a long tangent but I I love the connections that they make with that case study yeah yeah it's awesome and then there's some other materials that we bring into class too right um as as always our programs are age appropriate so um I primarily teach sixth grade So I am not bringing in penis models into my classroom because we don't do condom demonstrations in sixth grade, right? That's um, something that is just not quite age appropriate for that group. And then there's slideshows and videos. You know, we're not, um, one of the really successful things about the program is that we're not just sitting there talking at the students the whole time. It's engaging in in multiple ways. Yeah, very interactive. So, And the goal with us bringing in so many materials too is the teachers are almost in a way off duty during our session. Um, so we don't want to use up all of their supplies, and while we're there, we really want to support ourselves and allow them to kind of have a, a mental break almost, and um, we try to give them little teacher gifts as well as a thank you for letting us come into their classroom and um, take up space. So, yeah. Yeah, and that um, I wanted to talk about that too because, like, what it's like to teach in a space that's um, not a permanent space is – a pretty interesting part of the job that uh, a lot of times people don't think about because I tell people I'm a you know a a health educator and they're like oh what school well I actually work for a nonprofit. (laughs) I go into a school for two weeks take over the science class and then I dip out um so uh, being in that space is really interesting you know we're we're definitely in a temporary state of having all the materials we need fit in this little teacher box and then um, which is a literal box yeah (laughs) like like, mm, two feet by two feet yeah it's like a box on wheels (laughs) yeah um thankfully they have wheels though yeah um yes or else we'd be carrying it everywhere but you know we have a we have a pretty short length of time to get to know the students and we have that that temporary state of materials um but we need them to see us as someone that they can trust, right? As a trusted adult. And we talk to them a lot about trusted adults and what that looks like. So we have to make these relationships with them really quickly. Right. And it's just, I don't know, it's interesting. I think it's a special skill set. I I think it's something that a lot of people can learn. Like, I I don't want to say that it takes a a special person to gain trust from a group of students like that. But I think one of the most important ways that we do that is just going in there and, like, wanting 
yeah. and showing them like, hey, I want to be here because I care about you guys. Exactly. That's usually one of the first things that I tell them is, you know, I live, especially when we go and we teach in like the Oklahoma City public schools, mm-hmm. the few that we teach. Um, I literally tell the students that I live down the street because I want them to know, you know, I am in your community. You are a part of my community, which is why I'm coming into these schools, right? That's why I care about them. That's why I'm spending two weeks with them. Um, You know, growing up and in college, I never thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, Mm -hmm. I did not feel like working with middle school students was my calling. It's a very unique (laughs) calling if people think that that's their, I mean, that's awesome. Somebody like, thank you to all of our teachers and they're incredible at what they do. and I, and I love the students that we work with, but I'm, I'm going in because it benefits the community as a whole. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the most important things that we can do as educators is come in with that presence of I'm here to serve you. Um, I'm here to learn from you as well. And um, creating that safe space for the students in such a short amount of time is a special skill. Um, and yes, everyone can be an educator, but I do think it takes a special type of person to be able to create that environment with students so quickly. Um, and the relationship that we are able to build with the students is so special and unique. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun, but it's also, it is a challenge to create that space so quickly, implement so much information, and then leave feeling comfortable and knowing that your students have the knowledge that they need to make healthy decisions for themselves. Yeah. And I think too, it's, you know, going into the classrooms like that, it's a part of the fun, but also a little bit of part of the chaos, right? Right. I mean, teaching is very rewarding, Mm -hmm. especially teaching like this, but it's also very hectic. And so we kind of have to be prepared mentally for that too. I I know we talked a lot about the physical preparation, but there's a lot of mental preparation. I mean, these, these youths these kids youths. will say a lot in class especially <laughs> dang it I I to. I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry every time I mean these kids will say a lot in class especially yeah. once they know what we're there to talk about and you know once they know that it is a safe space because I, I do want you know right. to a certain degree I want the young people to you know use the phrases that they're familiar with so I know what we're teaching you know so that they know what we're teaching about right that's the only way you're gonna know do you understand like what I'm saying the terminology that I'm using and if you don't what terminology are you familiar with so that we can kind of connect and I can either you know debunk that terminology and give you some correct terminology Mm -hmm. and at the very least we're on a level of understanding right yeah because sometimes that terminology like you said we kind of have to debunk it because it's formed in myths or it's booty juice um, is not not a correct term (laughs) yes just so that everyone out there knows booty juice is not a correct term but the kids will in class will say it like that's an example of something that they say right and so we have to clarify like is this what you mean okay well if so then there are actually risks associated with that in this way or that way. And, you know, right. here's how we lower those risks. Here's the terminology you might want to use. And be sure you're clearly communicating with any future potential partner partners, right? So right. It, that's kind of how, how we work it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're they're also – they know a lot more, I think, than people realize. And it probably has to do with the fact that they have all this access to social media, yes. TikTok, um, other digital media, oh, right? I mean, TikTok. HBO shows – 
they will expose a lot. They go hard on HBO. Yes, and they are talking about a lot of things. Like, and as an adult watching HBO shows, I'm like, maybe I, like, need parental consent to watch this. <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes they, they go they go pretty deep. Yeah, and there, yeah, there are some HBO shows that even I am, like, this is too much for me, and then they're, the these 12-year-olds, 11-year-olds are also watching that same show, and right. I, um, you know, I'm not here to regulate any of that it's also quite literally impossible for me to regulate that but what can i do i can be aware tell them what's real and what's not real and help them like make healthy decisions so that they navigate the information that they are taking in (laughs) beautiful way of putting that yes aisha we are helping them navigate the information that they have in a healthy way they are inevitably taking in yes that is key (laughs) they are going to take it in and hopefully we are giving them new medically accurate age-appropriate information that they can take in and hopefully that sticks just as much as the hbo shows or tiktok (laughs) euphoria whatever instagram whatever they're seeing on those platforms right and then there's also the students who like to bring up certain topics because they think it's going to shock us Right. And yes. they're, they they want to ask a question because they're trying to get us to laugh or they're trying to make the rest of the classroom laugh. And one of my favorite things to do in class, and we have to work on preparation for this, too. I mean, in, in office, practice, yeah. in office, we practice asking each other absurd questions. Right. But they're also the questions that we've actually gotten in class. But right. my favorite thing to do in the classroom is to have a student ask me that type of question. And then I maintain my straight face and I'm like, oh, well. I think that you mean this and I and I answer it all yeah. technically yeah. and formally and the kids like oh thanks miss <laughs> <laughs> and they just I like you know they, they were trying to get me right. but like I got, I got them you. with the knowledge <laughs> and the professionalism and those I got them yeah are fun too but I think that that's like a perfect way to almost like tell that student we're not gonna tolerate you know making other people uncomfortable on purpose or mm-hmm. joking about something that's that shouldn't be joked about on purpose without like calling, calling them, out. them out and making them feel ashamed and embarrassing them you know because it, it definitely sends that message of like you said the joke I'm not gonna laugh because we are talking about a serious topic um, but they don't, you know, leave class crying like, oh, my gosh, she embarrassed me. So, yeah, good good skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. Um, and then I guess just a little bit more about, you know, what teaching looks like. I mean, we can talk about what it looks like to literally go in the class for the day. Right. So I go into the classroom in the morning and that's usually the first time that I'm visiting the classroom we do a lot of virtual communication with the host teacher and maybe I've been at the school before last year the year before but um you know I'm I'm sometimes meeting a teacher for the first time 10 minutes before I'm about to start talking to their class about puberty right um (laughs) so I'll go into the class um you know set up I like to get there a little bit early um if we're teaching starting at you know the first hour of the day then I might even get there as other students are getting in the classroom um we usually set up with the projector because we have slideshows in addition to all of those other materials the supplemental materials like we mentioned um and then sometimes we go back to back on classes I mean oftentimes we go back to back uh, so yeah. I'll get about five minutes reset between each classes. And then, you know, the goal is that all of the classes are kind of maintained at the same level. So I'll try to teach 
everyone on the first day up to slide 25 and then keep everybody on track through slide 56 on the second day and these are technical numbers it's just the first numbers that come to my head um really we're trying to get you know as much done in those days as possible because then at the end of the classes we have time for um, anonymous questions Mm -hmm. which the students really love um and kind of back to what i was saying about they try to ask shocking questions a lot of times those shocking questions will come from the anonymous questions because the students like might feel a little embarrassed about asking it or you know might not want people to know that it's them but that's exactly why we do that so that they can have a safe space to ask those questions and I take every single question on those anonymous cards seriously no matter if it no matter what language is used no matter what language is used um of course I'm not you know some of the cards that's actually a good point some of the cards I might not read verbatim (laughs) out loud because again these students are using some of the language that they know and it might not be language that I feel comfortable using in front of the whole classroom right um so and I think I think that is a shift that we have to make from time to time yeah exactly exactly um especially to not get that laugh factor because sometimes if you say that and that student that's really the only term that they know to use. Yeah. Um, for example, um, vagina might be a brand new word for some students, and I'm sure you all can think of some slang terms that we are all familiar with. Um, and sometimes those slang terms are the only term that they they know. Right. Um, so that's what they will put on their question card. So um, sometimes saying that slang term will get a laugh out of students, which could then shame that student for using that term when that's just all that they've ever known. Um, And then also correcting that term um, teaches that student, hey, there is another medically accurate term for what you're trying to describe. Um, But I think we are going to do an episode where we just read those question cards and then answer them like we would as if we were in the classroom. So I love that. that. I'm I'm excited to hear that one. Yeah, yeah, it'll be exciting. Um, But yeah, you just made me think too about um, sometimes when we go into these classrooms, like I said, we're visitors, we're there with the host teacher, and we're trying to not disrupt their classroom and how they have things set up too much. Um, But there are certain things that teen empower likes to implement in their class or allow in their classes um, in order to help the kids be more comfortable because we are kind of we're, we're taking them beyond a level of comfort that they're used to right. and so we usually kind of coordinate with the host teachers to allow certain things they might not allow in order to make the students feel more comfortable right. one example being you can snack a lot of times in, the yeah. te- in our teen empower classes and you know, maybe the teachers don't like that because trash ends up everywhere. It smells like food. They don't like it. You know, obviously we make sure it's okay with the host teacher before we just say that. Right. But, and I usually tell my students, you know, one piece of trash ends up on the ground. You've lost that privilege. But, um, you know, we we still have rules. But, again, they might feel uncomfortable. So that's one way we accommodate it. And another one is that oftentimes teachers do not allow their students to say certain words in class. But I never get a child or a young person in trouble the first time that they ask a question that uses a word like that right because like you said they might not know any other word right and i then use that opportunity to tell the class like okay everyone you know that student said that word hey i'm i'm not worried about it you're not in trouble don't worry <laughs> um yeah. but here's the word i would like to use moving forward please avoid using that word again yeah. 
and then defining it for them so that almost we, we built their their internal dictionary exactly and then almost always 99 percent of the time i never hear that word again in that class because they realize that we are there to help them learn and that's literally or therefore we're we're 100 percent there for them and they love that and they respect that and they they show me the respect in return yeah so that's really great and then yeah so we go back to back in those classrooms um with that with that break and then at the end of the day we will do some tracking of what happened in the classroom uh you know we mentioned as educators yeah as educators so we mentioned that we have a data team that's evaluating so we kind of track daily what's going on in the classroom um did the students really struggle with this activity did right. they really love that activity um how many students were there how many students um you know how, how far did we get in the program like right. in the lesson so and we that, just kind of track all that that helps um with adjustment adjustments being made to the program so for example um one the shauna morgan case study since we've already talked about that and you all are sem- semi-familiar with it if students are struggling to understand the case study that is something that we would notate in this tracking system that we're talking about at the end of the day um, and we might say a note like they had trouble with the terminology or they had trouble understanding the point of the activity or whatever the struggle was. And then the evaluation team can look at that and say, OK, do we need to reevaluate <laughs> um, the that activity so that we can better service the youth? Because these evidence based programs have a purpose. And if they are not serving that purpose, then what are we doing in the classrooms? So anytime there's a hiccup in an activity, um, for example, during a condom demonstration day, one of my students um, was born with a recessed arm. Um, so they had to uh, do the activity with one hand. Um, and that's something that I notated in my notes, like, hey, maybe we should have um, some extra instruction um, for youth that maybe are not able-bodied. Um, and that love that yeah and that's a that's a big adjustment the evaluation team needs to know because we would hate to not service a population um, because of our error right because then our program is not doing what it's supposed to do right I had a, a similar situation too with just like differently abled students because um, I didn't know that there was a student um, that had no hearing mm-hmm. until I got into class on day one right and then it was like, oh, gosh, we have videos that don't have captions that I'm I need to talking. show day two, day three, day seven or whatever it is. And, yeah, I mean, they, they had a translator for when I was talking, but the translator was like, well, are like, you showing videos? Yeah. Like what? Like, you know, if you are showing videos, I, I can't I can't translate that fast. I mean, right. and so that was a situation where we had the opportunity to make a quick adjustment and we used this program to pretty quickly get um, captions added to those videos. But then we were discussing in class and providing feedback on these data forms and we kind of realized like, wait, a lot of people use captions nowadays, a lot of young people I mean, love the captions on Instagram videos and reels and, and on TikTok mm-hmm. because it helps them focus, right? I mean, you've got all this stimulation from the class and what we're doing and other students in class. And right. and it's like, okay, this is one way that we can actually service not just those differently abled students, but everybody in class. Everyone. Um, and that's, that's a big factor yeah. with these, um, with this data tracking that we do as educators outside of the classroom. 
um, is to make sure that we are not being ableist, um, specifically with this conversation, um, just the examples that we've given. And then also just making sure, again, the students are understanding and they are absorbing and they are ready to apply this information because that is our overall goal. And if we are not doing the things to make sure students have those tools, then we need to adjust the program. Right. Then we, if, if we're not doing everything we can do, then we can do better. Right. Yeah. Um, but we are trying to do everything that we can do and, and yes. always and then always open to the opportunity of doing better. I think that's right. generally like a teen empower internal yes. value that yes. like all of our employees have. Absolutely. And, and again, that that's exactly why we have the evaluation forms, because we're all human. Sometimes we, we miss little details that unfortunately we don't catch until they're in our face. And so that's why we have this amazing platform to say, hey, um, encountered a hiccup today that no one thought about and that's okay but it happened so now we need to adjust and so that's that's all you really can do um, with programs like this is be ready for change and willing to make that change yeah ready and willing for sure and then that's I mean that's really it for the teacher side of our day-to-day activities and sometimes we're teaching um, up to five classes in the day and then also doing these evaluation forms and then um, wrapping up for that day and prepping for the next day so that um, while that can take up a majority of our day we might have an extra hour or two for other things so mm-hmm. then we're also just doing other tasks so Aisha, as you all might be aware, runs our podcast. So she (laughs) would, you know, she might throw in working on the podcast for a little bit there. Um, I might throw in, you know, writing a blog or checking our social media. Um, Mm -hmm. Clayton might throw in, Clayton is another one of our health educators, might throw into his day, you know, reaching out to interns and things like that. So um, that's just kind of the nature of a nonprofit. Um, I'm sure anyone who works in nonprofit or is familiar with them who might be listening, you will know that a nonprofit employees tend to wear many hats. Right. And so right. we'll throw on our marketing cap or our intern cap for the educator. the last, uh, <laughs> along with our educator cap uh, yeah. for the last little bit of the day. So Right. Um, and then uh, as we kind of touched on in our mission and structure episode, those are also Um, hats that we put on when it's the summertime and there is no school to teach in. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we definitely all have many different um, job responsibilities at Teen Empower. It's crazy too how still busy we are during the summer. Oh yeah, yeah. lots of getting ready for the school year, lots of just running the organization outside of the school year and yeah. Yeah. Am I allowed to tell everyone that we actually recorded this in the summer? (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> we, yeah. we are recording this in July, and I don't think they're going to listen to it until... It's August. It's, oh, it's, my goodness. Yeah, it's it like, is August. Anyways, yeah. you're not hearing this until October, November. So that's right. my point, is we're, yeah. we're getting ahead. We're doing plenty of other things. There's always things to do. And then everybody also loves that we just... I don't even want to say occasionally, but very pretty often get called in to help out with SHAPE events. Yes. Because SHAPE is just such a major program that we that teen empower offers and there's always something to be done i mean there's 30 plus students in the shape program it's all hands on deck with shape it is all hands on deck yes and so we're just happy to kind of help out in any and every way you know i mean we have we have multiple resources along with being kind of the boots on the ground in the classroom teaching and all, all of those resources are intended to help the youth uh learn what they need to learn in order to have a healthy future Right, right. It is definitely fun working at Teen Empower. Always, always fun. But um, thank you, Lily, for 
kind of walking through a day in the life as an educator um, plus some. Um, but yeah, I think we, we learned a lot about what it takes to come into the classroom and implement these programs. And it is a lot of hard work, but it's work that we are all willing to do because, it, like you said, it's going to come back to us that we are, we are nourishing our own community and that's always a good thing. So thank you. Of course. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Start the Talks by Teen Empower. You can follow us on social media at Teen Empower on Facebook and Instagram and check out our TikTok at Teen Empower Inc. Start the Talks is a podcast presented by Teen Empower Inc. with theme and background music from Prismatica and Apple GarageBand and Bensound.com with editing done by Aisha Diop. This podcast was supported by the Office of Populations Affairs and AmeriCorps. Teen Empower is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to empower, educate, and motivate adolescents to make informed decisions for their sexual health. We'll see you next time.